Hey, what's happening? And welcome to episode 14 of the GCSAA podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine, otherwise known as GCM. And uh, I am psyched that you've decided to uh, check out this episode of the podcast. Um, Hope you've caught some of our uh, more recent previous episodes of the podcast. We featured uh, conversations with folks like uh, Most Valuable Technician Award winner Greg Neal, Paul Giordano, and Mike Cravella from Bear Environmental Science, and Jim Brosnan, the uh, PhD from the University of Tennessee, all good stuff there. But if you uh, happen to miss those or any of the other 13 episodes that we have done, I'd encourage you to check out our archives wherever it is you get your podcast. There is a lot of good stuff there, so check that out. In this episode, though, we've got two good conversations for you, I think, the first of which is with my old friend, Curtis Tyrell, CGCSMG. We've been trying to pull this one off since the middle of the summer, and I finally was able to corner Curtis and really uh, have a chance to dig into his long and varied career in golf course management. Uh, uh, Most folks out there probably know the name uh, Curtis Tyrell from his decades-long stint at Medina Country Club in the Chicago area. That's where he hosted the 2012 Ryder Cup. Uh, in addition to overseeing full renovations on all three of Medina's 18-hole championship layouts. So we get into all of that uh, during our chat. We also talk a little bit about what he's doing now in his own foray into podcasting, uh, video production, and golf course consulting. I have known Curtis for quite some time, so uh, really excited to have him on this episode of the GCSAA podcast. We also offer up another of our partner profile conversations uh, in this episode with some of the movers and shakers over at Bear, which, as you likely know, is our presenting partner in the podcast. This time out, we talk with Mark Claude Felter and Sean McNerney. Mark is a product manager with Bear, while Sean is an area sales manager. And our conversation centers around Bear's new Flex Solutions program, uh, the platform that launched earlier this month and really is uh, serving as kind of the backbone of the company's uh, early order program in the golf course management business. So if you are uh, out there listening and you have not yet gotten your uh, product orders in this year, then I would definitely stick around and check out our talk with Mark and Sean about the Flex Solutions platform. As always, we want to thank everyone over at Bear, Mark, Sean, everyone else, uh, for their continuing support of the podcast. They remain a company committed to helping golf course superintendents thrive through a combination of great technical expertise and innovative solutions like Flex Solutions uh, and also the Stress Guard line of fungicide products. You can learn much more about Bear by going to es.bear.us and then clicking on the Turf and Ornamental management link at the top of the page there. Once again, uh, learn more about Bear by going to es.bear.us, then clicking on that turf and ornamentals management link. So without further ado, let's get after it and dive into episode 14 of the GCSA podcast, which we will start with our sit down with Curtis Tyrell, CGCS MG. Well, our next guest I have been uh, stalking for <laughs> at least since midsummer is uh, someone I wanted to uh, to get on the GCSA podcast and uh, uh, just have a conversation. Super interesting guy, uh, tons of experience uh, in the golf course uh, management industry, and including one that now takes him uh, into the podcasting and video casting uh, space. So, we're really interested to, to hear how that transition is going and. Uh, super psyched to welcome Curtis Tyrell, Certified Golf Course Superintendent, Master Greenkeeper, to the podcast. Curtis, how are you today? 
I'm great, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have known each other a while, bumped into each other, and I was in a uh, I was in Southwest Florida in, I think it was July, which is obviously the perfect time of year to go uh, to, uh, to Naples. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, uh, unfortunately, our past did not cross. When I was in town, you were not in town. And so uh, since then, we've been trying to set this up. So I'm excited we've uh, uh, had an opportunity to do this. Uh, Curtis, and at any point along the way, just correct me if I'm wrong, and you know that I can be wrong quite often. But Curtis currently, and we'll get all into all this, is the founder and host of the course reports and that is a podcasting video casting service you can fo- follow them on twitter at course reports um and also the website is thecoursereports.com uh, he's also doing some consulting work now with canon golf which is a golf course master planning uh and consulting company and i won't run through your resume i'm going to make you talk and, and do that curtis but um Let's let's start off. We'll we'll go back in time and kind of work to where we are. And, and just I, I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners are probably familiar uh, uh, with your name and with with some of the work that you've done in the business through your time at Medina, uh, most notably. But uh, let's go back to the beginning. How did you uh, how did you get started in a career in golf course management? And what's uh, what first uh, drew you to the business? Well, you know, I was always uh, around the game as a junior golfer. My dad belonged to a country club in the um, D.C. metro area. I grew up in Maryland and uh, always loved playing golf with him and was around it. And he was on the green committee and had a real affinity for the superintendent that uh, was there, a guy by the name of Mike Evans at, at our club, which was the country club of Woodmore. And uh, after college, I, I um, came back home with a history degree and I was trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do. I was thinking about grad school and, and trying to become a history professor. And um, he said, well, gl- I'm glad you're back. I got you a job at the golf course. You start tomorrow. And uh, so I went to work for Mike uh, Evans at the Country Club Woodmore and uh, started out and never left. You know, it was one of the things I just fell in love with. And Mike and his assistant, Dave Osterhaus, were both Penn State graduates, and uh, they uh, offered me the chance after the first summer there to stay on during the winter, and that's when things really um, got interesting because I got to get into more things than just mowing and trimming and raking bunkers and um, really fell in love with the, the profession and, at the time, really fell in love with the fact that it could offer me the chance to travel. I had done some traveling and was eager to uh, see different parts of the country and, and potentially the world. And at that time, golf was going crazy and uh, there was a lot, lot happening. And I saw a lot of opportunities to see a lot of different places. And so it felt like the perfect career for me. So off I went to Penn State and from there headed out west. And, you know, some 25 years later now, uh, I'm in Florida. So it certainly fulfilled everything that I hoped it, hoped it would. Yeah, yeah, I mean, stops, uh, you, you did some, uh, I probably won't get them all here, but, uh, you were in, uh, Colorado, internship at Cherry Hills. You spent time at PGA West, uh, Desert Mountain, Anthem in the Las Vegas area. Uh, I think you did a, uh, construction grow in at Lake of Isles in Connecticut. And then, uh, uh, obviously a, a lengthy stay at Medina. So, um, let, let, let's fast forward, uh, there to, to Medina. Uh, you arrived there in 2008. And right, uh, right. prepped for the uh, uh, the 2012 Ryder Cup, and you, I mean, that that alone, uh, you know, landing landing a job at a multi course operation like Medina, 
hosting one of one of golf's biggest events. So those are huge things. But you you also um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did, did you you oversaw renovations on all three courses there at Medina. Yes, that's right. In fact, that was the main skill set that they were looking for was somebody that uh, had multi-course experience. And fortunately for me, m- most of my career, with the exception of the very beginning and my stop at Anthem, I had been at multi-course facilities, PGA West, Desert Mountain, and then Lake of Isles, where I was uh, was at prior to heading to Medina, was a 36-hole um, job. So they were looking for somebody with multi-course experience and somebody with golf course construction and renovation experience. And fortunately for me, uh, that had been the general focus. And um, while the Ryder Cup was on the agenda, and certainly that was the prize that I was excited about when it came to that opportunity, um, it was the fact that uh, they wanted to rebuild, uh, at that time, courses one and two, uh, that they were looking for somebody that could do that. So, uh, you know, I ended up getting the, the, the nod, and I was very excited about it. And uh, we went to work and had to kind of, reprioritize the order of the renovations because course three was not quite what they thought it was in terms of infrastructure and uh, it, it, as a golf course for you know about to hold the Ryder Cup we needed to do some work so we bumped course three to the top and we went to work on that right away um, once that was finished and as the Ryder Cup was approaching we were engaged in the course one engineering and project development uh, we had the Ryder Cup, which was very successful. And the very next morning, uh, Sunday, the Ryder Cup was over. Monday morning, we started cutting trees and pushing dirt on course one. And uh, that uh, went through 2013 and opened in 14. And then shortly thereafter that, uh, we started course two and opened that in 2017. So in that 10-year period, we did all three courses, our maintenance facility, and the Ryder Cup. So 10 years flew by. Yeah, I, I am. I imagine so. And I imagine that that uh, you talk to a lot of guys and, and doing full course renovations are, are, are oftentimes, I'm, I'm sure not what's going on, but when in, in retrospect, highlights of their careers, uh, other guys hosting uh, majors or professional events are, are highlights uh, of their career. And, and you have the opportunity uh, to cram all that in. And I guess times three with the renovations in, in a decade long uh, period. What 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 was the biggest thing? Maybe you took away from that that ten year experience that you learned about how to manage that. I imagine that that yeah, proper prioritization um, it has to be near the top of the list because if you can't prioritize the work and really focus on what matters, then I, the the bigger picture could overwhelm you in a situation like that. Yeah, the number one thing that I took away from that is is exactly that. I would I would say it's more um I would characterize it as project development and organization. You know, so doing the work prior to the project, uh the necessary engineering, the permitting, the budgeting, you know, those are the things that are important to make sure you you actually hit the budget. And that's probably the biggest thing that goes wrong for guys is that um they don't put the time in or not that they don't put the time in. Let's just say the club or the project team in general doesn't necessarily uh, get it all together at the beginning. And so you end up with either uh, problems in the field or problems in the budget. And both of them are a bad thing. Right. And I think my my uh, pride and joy of all three of those projects is they were all on time and on budget. 
And that's because myself, my team, the membership team and leadership team at the club, you know, we really spent the time, um, and, and the architects too, uh, Reese Jones and Tom Doak, uh, their teams. We certainly put the time in. And, you know, for instance, course one, we didn't break ground until, um, uh, October of, 2012, but we were working on it since 2010. And that was a six and a half million dollar project. And the process just took that long. And course two, we broke ground in the fall of 2015, but we were working on that since 2014, end of 13. So, you know, these are very important parts to a project that ensure that you end up on time, on budget and with a product that everybody was hoping for. Uh, As you prepared for that, you obviously, even I mean, dating back to your to your your stint at at Penn State, uh, really had a chance to interact, work, learn from some of the biggest names of the business. So you had Tom Wachke, uh at, at Penn State, um, PGA West, uh, Virgil Robinson uh, out there. I think that's where you first connected with Sean Emerson, who's in charge of Desert Mountain. You already mentioned Reese Jones, uh, uh, Tom Doak. Um, you know the folks that you've been able to work with. Uh, and we often hear how important mentoring is in this business. And I don't know if you would consider all of those mentors, but I'm sure you picked up at least a little bit from each of them. Um, how important were, were those th- those kind of folks uh, to your career towards deepening your your connection uh, with this business? And, and to any of the young folks out there who may be just getting started, um, any words of advice on, on maybe how to how to connect with a mentor and um kind of get that sort of person in your life who can kind of just help hold your hand, guide you through what is what oftentimes a tumultuous, uh, uh, you know, pathway into this business. Well, first of all, absolutely. All of those people that you mentioned were mentors of mine. I mean, they, you know, I have been very blessed with almost a pinch yourself career to do all the things that I've got to do. And, and it, if it wasn't for each of those people, uh, Dr. Watsky, Sean Emerson, Virgil, uh, Reese Jones, you know, it just wouldn't have happened because, you know, timing was such that, that, that each of them came into my career at different stages and, um, helped me learn and get to where I was able to get to. And, and as much as they were mentors, they were very much partners in, in everything that we did, you know. So at, at one stage, I'm, I was learning under them and at other stages, we were working together to accomplish a goal. So very, very important catalyst, uh, to, each project one after the other, uh, were these, were these folks. And, you know, in terms of young people, what, what I would say is that a mentor is somebody that you look up to, that you trust, that has your best interest in mind and at heart. But it also it's somebody that challenges you. It's not an easy relationship. Um, you know, depending on which one we're talking about, you know, some, they all challenge me in different ways. And at times I had to, um, go through the process of learning and reassessing on how to, you know, not necessarily um, please these people, but accomplish what it is they were challenging me to do. And it's not always easy. It's, it's the harder road basically. And so you want to find somebody uh, to mentor you that has uh, unique situations going on, um, whether it be whatever it is you're focused on in terms of multi-course facility operations or tournament operations, or golf course renovations. You want to find somebody that can offer you uh, those unique uh, training grounds, but also somebody that's going to put you out into the game and challenge you to be your best 
uh, force you to learn some new things and get you out of your comfort zone. Because on the end, in the end, on the backside of it all, you're, you're more, um, broad skilled. You have, you have, you now have things that you can apply in your own way going forward. And, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, and I I would concur. It's it's interesting, you know, for me, um, a journalist by by education and by my first decade uh, in the working world, who who kind of has transitioned over the last couple of decades in, into golf course management and, and, and this great business. But um, I find that there's some similarities. I had a great uh, I had a great mentor myself, um, and he's actually someone who worked at GCM. And, and folks listening may may remember uh, from you know. 12, 15 years ago, Terry Osmeyer, who was a, uh, uh, editor of GCM for a period of time, then was a staff writer, uh, for me, but he's someone that I worked with at early newspapers. And, uh, yeah, tough love was uh, certainly in play my first couple of years with, with Terry. But I, those are the right. sorts of things that I remember the most. And when I hear stories like yours and, and other guys that I get a chance to, to, to meet and talk with in the industry about really key mentors, that really is, a, is a common theme. So certainly kind of, uh, interesting across, uh, Cross industry, uh, yeah, uh, stories. But I will, uh, bef- before we, before we move on and let you kind of talk about your transition away from the Chicago land and down into, down into the Florida area. Um, this kind of goes ha- hand in hand with what we were talking about in education and mentorship. And that hap- that is, uh, uh kind of your personal dedication to bettering yourself through continued professional development. And those, those initials that are at the end of your name, the CGCS, the certified golf course superintendent, uh, uh program through here at GCSAA and also the, uh, MG, the master greenkeeper program through, uh, BIGA, the British and International Golf Greenkeeping Association. Uh, neither of those are easy, uh, easy uh designations to achieve so i guess i'm curious what what motivates you along the way you're doing all this other stuff you're hosting majors you're you're doing course renovations uh you're you're moving across the country uh how did you find the time and the inspiration to pursue them and and why was that important to you well i just always thought that's that was the there was no other way to do it. I, I, I mean, the way, the way I was trained at, at Penn State University was that, that you, you got to continually, uh, challenge yourself and educate yourself. This is an ever changing field. We're dealing with live, um, plants and soils and, and such things like that. And, and there's been a tremendous amount of advancement in, in all of those regards. And, and so you have to keep up with it. So I, I just, in my mind, coming out of school, I always knew that I was going to have to keep studying to keep up with it and be on the front end of things to be the best that I could be and have my golf course be the best it could be. And I didn't think there was really any other way about doing it. You know, my grandfather was a physician and up until he passed away at age 95, he he was still, he wasn't even practicing anymore, but he was still going and taking continuing education classes at the hospital. And so I always admired that about him and, and thought, you know, that's, like I said, it just was ingrained in me, I guess, to, to make sure that I continued to do that. And every year that I got a chance to go to the show, the first thing I did about um, uh, setting my calendar was try to get into all the classes that I, wa- that I wanted to get yeah. in. And, and uh, you know, so to me, it was, it was certainly the of steps I had to pursue. And um, when, when I was really young, working out at Desert Mountain and, into the business and was looking for jobs, you know, my next step, you know, it was always say CGCS preferred. And so in my mind, it was, it was 
a lot easier to be in an interview process and have them ask me if I was certified and simply say yes and move on to the next question rather than them than say no and have to explain why I hadn't done it yet. And I, I was like, well, hey, I'm not going to be in that position. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get it as soon as I possibly can. And, uh, and that's what I did. And then at, at, uh, at Medina with the Ryder Cup on the horizon, you know, I had followed and known about, uh, the British and International Golf Greenskeeper Association, a master greenskeeper certificate. There had been some really well, uh, some esteemed superintendents had achieved both. And I, I, was aware of that. And with this international event coming, I thought, Hey, I want to make sure that I broaden my skill set and that, you know, I'm, you know, my education is commensurate with, you know, both sides of the ponds, uh, as we're about to host this international thing. So I just took it on and that wasn't easy. That one was that, well, neither of them are easy. Um, they were, they were very challenging, both of them, but, um, the, the master greenkeeper certification, um, just due to some of the various cultural differences, um, you know, it took me a couple of times. I didn't pass the test the first time and, um, you know, I had to take it a second time to do it. And, um, and that's okay. I learned from that process and ultimately achieved it. And I'm very proud to, to have both of those and, and, and they, they're important to me. And, um, even today I, I look for opportunities to get into classes so that I can not only maintain those those certifications, but also just get better as a, as a superintendent, as a grass grower. Yeah. And, uh, uh, very, very few there's, there's, it's a pretty select company that you're in who, who have earned both their CGCS and their MG. Uh, and interestingly, uh, the person who came in behind you at uh, Medina, Steve Cook is another one of those. So Medina has a very unique, uh, designation of having, uh, probably two directors of agronomy who had, uh, both, both designations. So, um, so. Yeah, and you know, well, well, well done on that. That's, I mean, to achieve both of those is is quite a quite a uh, step to take uh, in this business. You know, I, I definitely want to acknowledge Medina in that regard because it, in in all of the contracts that I've had and the clubs that I've worked for, I made sure that it was uh, supported and funded through through our budget to allow me to to do those kind of of um, things and get those kind of uh, credits and, and spend the time to do that and. And Medina certainly placed a priority on me being able to, to uh, pursue continuing education. So that's important if you're a superintendent out there and you're, uh, you, you definitely want to make sure that the club is behind you and supporting you financially to go to the shows, um, go to the meetings and get the credits. It's an important thing to have in, in any deal you sign. I'll just say it that way. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Support of the club is is crucial. Just because the, I mean, just uh, for no other reason, the time alone that it takes to dedicate to getting those things, uh, you got to have uh, the support of your club and your membership behind it. So that's great to hear. But uh, good transition. Uh, you uh, talking about Medina? I'm I'm curious. Uh, at what point did your did your eyes start wandering a little bit? I know that you know a ten year run like that, where you have a major and you have three full course uh, renovations, are, are are likely pretty taxing. So I I have a suspicion maybe where you're answer will go with this but uh uh at what point did you decide hey i you know i i might not not necessarily looking for greener pastures because there aren't many greener than uh than medina but um at at what point did you decide you know it's i I need to kind of look for my next challenge well you know i i I won't say that that i wasn't looking um because i think you know it's important to always be paying attention to what opportunities are out there at any point in your career so i mean you're you know 
all of us, if we admit it, we're always paying attention to what jobs are open and such like that. But I wasn't really looking. I was recruited. Um, and so I was, uh, you know, finishing up. Uh, we had just launched uh, course number two and, and completed what was the goal when I got there, which was to rebuild everything and, and streamline the infrastructure and therefore the maintenance operations. And we had accomplished that. So we had, you know, it was a major, a major benchmark that had been achieved. And it just so happened that I got a call uh, uh, from the general manager down at the Benita Bay Club and said, hey, we've got five golf courses down here uh, at that point in their time that need work. And we need you to come down here and do what you did at Medina because uh, these golf courses need a lot of work. And so that's what it really engaged me in, in looking. And, and, and it was the opportunity to go kind of scale up and, and I love that kind of work. So, you know, we were done at Medina, right? right. And, and so the opportunity to go to a beautiful place and a beautiful club and, and take on uh, the challenge of warm season grasses and, and five golf course renovations. And I said, Hey, you know, that, uh, that might be interesting. So, um, after a little research, I, you know, I jumped into the ring and the competition for the opportunity and, and was awarded the opportunity ultimately. And, and uh, decided to leave Medina and went down to to Naples, Florida. So yeah, a, a big uh, you know <laughs> Chicago and and Southwest Florida are quite a bit different. Just the climate climate alone, uh, uh, growing. Uh, you mentioned the types of grasses that you're growing. Um, uh, I, I know that experience uh, probably didn't didn't in the way that you thought that it would um and no need to to rehash that because it's it's a good well it's a good transition that we will get into into what you're what you're uh doing right now um but uh you were at bonita bay for what a, a, about a year uh not quite 10 not months quite a year. Yeah, okay 10 months and um you know i learned a lot i continue to learn a lot from that experience you know i think what's interesting that i'd like to share um with the listeners is that you know, I have moved around the country my whole career, and I think one of the challenges that you face in this business when you're uh, a Northeast guy or a Southwest guy or whatever is that, you know, people always say, oh, you know, you can't grow grass here, you can't grow grass there. And and I've had the opportunity to grow lots of different uh species. And, you know, I believe that the best superintendents can grow any type of grass. And so... You know, that was the, the, the kind of the selling point was, Hey, the fundamentals of this business, uh, are the same depending whatever type of grass you're growing and that you can adapt, um, you know, any region. And so, um, you know, that was always a, a, a challenge for me and something that I, you know, uh, took on was to, to be able to go and, and do these things in different places. And so that's one of the things that excited me about it. Um, just because I, that's all I'd ever done. And I don't believe that uh, a guy from Boston can't grow grass in Texas and vice versa. You know, I just don't. I think that uh, if you think you can do it, you should do it and um, uh, challenge yourself to, to, to move around and create opportunities for yourself and, and broaden your ability to grow grass in different places. But, um, you know, I learned a lot from that experience. I was there a very short time. Um, the, the, the goal and why they recruited me changed. And, and after 10 months and, and some thorough due diligence, the scope of what they were facing and uh, what they needed to do and what they were willing to do 
um, was different. And so therefore our priorities and such weren't aligned anymore. And, um, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. You know, it's not an easy undertaking. It takes a very, very committed group of people to push through something like they thought that they wanted to do. And, uh, at Medina, for instance, you know, the first four years were really, really rocky as we were battling through construction and growing and doing things that the membership at a club like that hadn't seen before. And so, you know, uneducated opinions that get running around, you know, can make things difficult day to day. And uh, yet we had a real committed group of membership and leaders there that were willing to stick uh, by me, by our team. And we saw it through and ultimately they, they got and achieved the success that, that, that they had, uh, you know, set out to achieve. Right. And, and, you know, um, you know, at times, you know, add a couple more courses to it and, and a bunch more millions of dollars and, <laughs> <laughs> and people start reconsidering and whether they really got the intestinal fortitude to go, go through all that. So, you know, that's probably the biggest learning thing is that uh, you, you've got to have a strong, committed group of people willing to, to get into the trenches with the membership and, and, and ride it out. And if you don't, you're not going to be able to do something on that scale. Yeah, you, you think you know what you want, but then when you find out exactly what it's going to take to get what you want, it sometimes, uh, you know, people have their uh, minds changed a little bit on that. So, and with uh, uh, two extra courses over what you had done at Medina, I'm sure that just exacerbated uh, things. So, well, you, you've got yourself in Florida, your family's in Florida, uh, your experience at Bonita Bay, Bay ends. Uh, Talk, talk about what, what you did when you sort of reassessed, uh, as to what's, uh, what's next. Did you, uh, did you go out and say, okay, what opportunities, um, as a turf grass manager exist? Uh, or was the, the course reports and maybe changing a little bit of direction something that had piqued your, already piqued your interest at that point? Yeah, I have always had an interest in broadcasting and, and video and just, you know, things, things in that regard, you know, as a total novice, I mean, I've never done anything like that before, but I always was interested in it. And, and I'd always thought that there was a need to, um, tell the story, uh, talk about the industry, talk about the game from a different perspective. You know, I think that within our industry, we do a great job of talking to each other. But I don't think that it translates well out to the golfer. And I've always felt like that there was a need for that. And so, um, you know, immediately, uh, just not being one to kind of uh, sit back and do nothing, I started researching, you know, these ideas. I thought, hey, I want to I want to do a, a podcast and, and talk to the golfer and tell them tell them what they're seeing, tell them what the, the story really is. And that's no fault of the, the broadcast um you know, in the networks out there, because they, they do a good job and they do the best they can, but they don't really get it right, is my opinion. And they just, right. you, know, they, you know, I mean, I know at the Ryder Cup in 2012, Johnny Miller was saying the greens were 14, just, you know, just stuff that was just ridiculous, you know. And yeah. um, and I thought, you know, that's because he's not a superintendent. He doesn't know how, how it is. And we need a superintendent to be able to translate it properly. So I just kind of dove into the what was out there in terms of technology. and. I had an idea to, to make a video version of it as well. And I just started working on it and, um, uh, and, and invested, uh, 
time and, and, and a little bit of money into things and, and launched it. And, um, now I'm doing it and I'm learning each day with each episode and each guest. And it's really a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I hope it continues to grow. That's, that's my, that's my goal for it. Yeah, one one of your uh, at least your video episodes took you back to back to Medina, and uh, as you I, I previewed the BMW Championship they that they hosted earlier this year. Um, what was that like for you to go back? And um, I'm sure there were a lot of familiar faces, but to kind of go back in in that in a different role and take a different look at it. What was that like for you? It was awesome. You know, Steve was was a great host. The club, uh, Robert Sorecci, the general manager. Um, was a was a great host and and some of the some of the teammates that were there for with me were still there so it was really nice to get back and and see the golf courses you know a year and a half later uh uh not having seen them uh and and just just be there as part of the excitement of what was going on in the tournament prep you know that's always just a fun time full of energy uh so i really enjoyed going back uh you know i think what was nice for me was I wasn't sure when I was heading there if I was going to feel any regret uh, when I got back there just because it's such a personal part of me, that place and, and those people. But I didn't at all. You know, when I got back there, I was, you know, really felt like, hey, I you know, certainly moved on and, and this was a, a chapter and now it's, it's a new chapter with new people and they're doing a great job. So it, it was just a really great few days. Uh, and you've, I mean, you've had an opportunity, and I think some of these you've you've connected with by phone, like you and I are doing, or, or you've actually been on site. But I mean, you have been uh, at least in what you feature both in podcast form and in uh, in video form. You've covered the, uh, the the globe, New Zealand. I think that was the most recent one as we record this. Tara Eady, uh, you did Royal Portrush in advance of the uh, of the Open Championship, and I think you actually got to go over there and uh, spend some time there, right? I did. I did. That was, that was fantastic experience. And, you know, I, I have a partner in the video, uh, element, you know, the course reports on site, we call it. His name is Chris Logan Harley and he is a freelance director of photographer out of Philadelphia. And he's a busy guy, sought after, does some really great cinematography. And he did a video of me for Penn State, a distinguished alumni video and you know, he came and interviewed me, filmed me and did kind of that kind of stuff. And, and I didn't really think a whole lot of it, like, uh, you know, just kind of the normal stuff I had done before. But when I saw the video, uh, in final production, I was blown away with what, what he created in, in, in terms of a concept and, and editing. And so I reached out to him and said, Hey, I want to, I want to make a TV show and I want to put it on YouTube. And this is, this is what it is. So we went to work and, and, and kind of created that on-site version and reached out first up to um, uh, Beth Page uh, Black yeah. and, and, um, and got to go up there. And then we went to Detroit Golf Club after that and, and then, then got into talking with the RNA and seeking approval to, to come over to Ireland, Northern Ireland, I should say, and Royal Port Rush Golf Club. And what an experience that was. And Graham Beat, the superintendent there, um, and his team were very welcoming, as was uh, the entire club and the RNA. And they they let us go out there with a drone and our camera, and they they gave us their time to interview. And we tried to really 
translate the golf course conditioning and the tournament prep for the viewer. And I think we did a good job. We had 42,000 views on that video. Wow. Wow. And so, you know, we know that there's an interest for this information. We've gotten uh, way more thumbs up than we have thumbs down and uh, <laughs> a lot of good, po- um, you know, comments and, and people are, people are digging it. So we just, we're, we're trying to find um, production companies and, and sponsorships to, be able to continue uh, to deliver that. And we're hoping to, to uh, have a season two in 2020. So we'll see where that goes. Well, that's awesome. I, I've, been, I've enjoyed watching them. Um, I, I've, you know, obviously we've known each other since, I guess, uh, 20, well, probably it was 2012, maybe even before then. Um, yeah. And so I was certainly was interested when I, when I saw you were, were doing this. And uh, uh, there are increasing uh uh, digital offerings like this that that are focused on golf course management. Obviously, the podcast we're on right now. Um, not going to brag, but you know, yeah. Um, right. Your uh, your endeavors. There's stuff the Carolinas chapter is is doing with pulling weeds, and there's a, there's a there's a whole host of others uh, that are coming out there. Uh, I'm glad that you're getting more thumbs up. Have you gotten any uh, sp- sp- specific feedback from either? folks within the industry or folks without and uh, that kind of tells you, Hey, we're heading the right direction with this. Yes, definitely. Um, we, we've gotten some great feedback uh, within the industry. You know, the, the, the most exciting thing that we've gotten from, from guys in the industry, I wasn't sure how superintendents were, were going to take it or how it would be received, you know, how willing they'd be to participate, you know, and like I said, my, there, there are so many great, um, offerings out there, as you mentioned, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to talk to superintendents. That's not my goal. Uh, you know, they don't need to hear from me. Everybody know, you know, <laughs> you know it, it, there's plenty of information out there, uh, for all of us. And, but what I'm trying to do is expose superintendents to the people playing the golf courses on a Saturday morning or a Tuesday evening. And when they watch, uh, TV, on the weekend and they see something that doesn't to them look green or doesn't look right. I want to be able to try to, to explain that to them or provide an outlet for that. And the superintendents have been like, right on, man, keep going. That's what we need. We need, you know, we need more information out there. We need somebody to do it. So the, you know, my, my colleagues have just really jumped on board and been so, so supportive of it and willing to help. And which has been, which has been, I, I, not that I didn't expect it, but it's been overwhelmingly positive and, and really, uh, really a nice thing. Well, it, it is super cool. It's, it's, a uh, you know, it's something that, that I've had a, a partial role in here at GCSA and trying to, obviously the association is a big effort to try and, uh, increase the, uh, recognition and, uh, image of the superintendent among golfers. And we work tirelessly with networks. Um, around big events, trying to leverage the interest in those events as an opening to kind of do some of the stuff that you're doing. And, you know, over the course of, of my time here, I, I think we've made some, we've made some inroads, but, but you can, you can only do so much. And at some point, those networks are super interested in, uh, in what Tiger Rory and DJ and whoever yeah, else yeah. are. Well, you know, right. it's, yeah. at some point, the, at some point, the sticks and balls take over, uh, at those big events. And, uh, uh, so I, you know, I commend you. I commend the, the folks out there who are working with you. And frankly, the folks that are, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, taking it in and learn a little bit more about, uh, what it, what it takes to 
prepare a golf course for those events and, and by extension what it takes to prepare their you know their local municipal or their local country club for their uh s- saturday morning round because it's it's all it's it's all a part of the same thing and, and the more that the more they know the better it is I, I think for everyone listening today so um curtis i will appreciate your time i appreciate uh you let me stalk you for about three months to do this and put up with our uh, technical issues getting going, which we both were able to commiserate about uh, <laughs> when it comes to these uh, digital forms of media. Uh, just the last question for you. Um, you're, you're pretty entrenched in this this podcasting and, and video casting uh, thing. Do you do you see a future where uh, you're back in the maintenance fi- facility, you're back overseeing a golf course, you're overseeing renovations, you're preparing for uh, professional events? Well, what, I, what I'm doing now in conjunction with the course reports is I've started a company called Canon Golf. And, you know, what I did at uh, my entire career and what I did at Medina and I talked about kind of the planning and the organization of things was uh, project development, project management, coordination and agronomic master planning. And so I see an opportunity out there to offer those uh, services to various clubs. Uh, I've got the uh, a number of clients spread out across the country right now that are engaged in either golf course renovations or planning for renovations or considering planning for renovations. And I'm able to, to jump in and help those superintendents, help those clubs um, look at their property and their assets in a holistic way and comprehensively uh, put it on paper for them in a way that they can see what it's really going to take to get it done. I mean, you know, that's what I did at Bonita Bay too. You know, I went down there and I assessed everything and I documented everything. I laid it all out. And, um, you know, it, it, that's what I'm offering through this company, Canon Golf, and I'm really enjoying it. So the combination of of being independent and and doing the things that I really do well and enjoy doing for for golf clubs and, and, and within the industry, along with these uh, media outlets, which I feel like are, are positive and, and help the, the superintendents in the industry. You know, that's where my focus is right now. So, you know, while I end up at a club again, you know, I love being a superintendent and I'll never say never, but right now I, I'm very excited about Canon Golf and the course reports and I'm interested in pushing that forward a little bit and we'll see where that goes. Well, that's great. I'm super excited you know, for you, for your family. They still loving life down in uh, Southwest Florida. Yeah, we are. It's, what's not to love, right? You know, but my daughters are growing up, and one's one's in college now, and the other one's about to leave. So, you know, things. You know, it's a different stage of life. I mean, when I started, and uh, in, in Bridget and I got married, you know, we were we were out in the desert. I'm actually out out here now as we as we're talking, but uh, you know, no kids, and now all of a sudden, like we blanked and. They're leaving the house. So, you know, but, uh, you know, it's really nice on a, on an afternoon off or, or whatever to just hop down to the, to the beach and just chill out in the middle of February. So yeah, yeah. we're, we're enjoying it down there and we, we plan to base out of there for now and, and continue to grow the business and, um, and see where that leads us. It's, it's an exciting time for us. Yeah, that's uh, mid mid February trips to the beach. Not really an option in Chicago land. So no, <laughs> um, and, no. And, unless you're a very very hardy swimmer. So that's right. 
That's right. Well, listen, buddy, I appreciate you taking uh, some time. Glad we finally got a, a chance to do this. Uh, best of luck with everything. Again, uh, for the listeners out there, you're going to want to check out the Course Reports. The website is thecoursereports.com. You can follow them on Twitter for regular updates uh, at Course Reports. And Curtis, as always, great talking with you. Appreciate the time, and we will uh, catch up down the road. Scott, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Well, man, I really enjoyed that. That was a great catching up with Curtis Tyrell, CGCS MG. Um, again, somebody that I've known for a lot of the a lot of years in this business, and someone who I know to be uh, a really smart uh, superintendent, and now someone who is uh, kind of taking a head first dive into, into what we're doing here with uh, his uh, podcasting uh, video production. And he's also doing some uh, golf course consulting. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you'll check out the course reports uh, w- when you get a chance. Before we dive into our partner profile conversation uh, with uh, Mark Clodfelter and Sean McNerney from Bear, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the fine folks uh, with Bear who are uh, honored and, and really the honor is all ours to have them as the presenting partner in the GCSA podcast for years. Bear has worked with golf course superintendents uh, to maximize turf performance uh, in the evolving environments that they manage. And this month, uh, uh, we're going to, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by Mark Clodfelter, a product manager with Bear, and Sean McNerney, uh, who is an area sales manager, to learn more about the uh, innovative Flex Solutions platform that just launched this month that kind of moves away from the notion of pre-assembled packs uh, in early order programs and sort of reinvents how customers participate in those early order programs. As a company committing to helping its customers thrive, Bear is wholly dedicated to providing technical expertise as well as the innovative solutions needed to maximize turf quality and make superintendents' job easier. To learn more about the online platform that allows customers to create solutions specific to their needs, visit es.bear.us slash flex hyphen solutions. Sorry, a bit of a tongue twister there. That is es.bear.us slash flex hyphen solutions. So uh, our thanks again to Bear for their uh, continued support of this podcast. We really do appreciate it. And now we're going to dive into uh, some more. Talk about uh, Bear and um, a partner profile conversation featuring Mark Clodfelter, product manager, Sean McNerney, area sales manager, and our conversation about the new Flex Solutions program that Bear has brought to market. Hope you enjoy it. Well, we're entering the heart of the fall season, and uh, that means different things for different golf course superintendents, depending on what part of the country uh, you reside in. Obviously, if you're in a warm weather locale, you're preparing uh, uh, probably for your prime golfing uh, season, prime part of the year. Uh, If you are north of that, maybe transition zone up in the uh, upper Midwest and the Northeast, well, you're uh, probably starting to think about ways you can put your bed, uh, your golf course to bed. Uh, for the winter to whatever extent that uh, that means for, for you where you are. But regardless of where you are, I know that uh, this time of year also means early order programs for all the uh, turf inputs that golf course superintendents uh, will be using uh, in 2020. And our friends at Bear, the presenting partners in this podcast, are coming into this uh, EOP season with a brand new online program called Flex Solutions. And uh, we just happened to have a uh, another partner profile conversation scheduled uh, for the podcast, so we thought it would be a great uh, opportunity 
to talk to a couple of folks who have uh, played a role in the development of the Flex Solutions uh, program, and just kind of let them tell us what the uh, what the program is, what it means. Uh, for superintendents. So I'm excited to uh, introduce Mark Claude Felter. Mark is a uh, product marketing manager for Bear. Mark, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks. How are you? Um, excellent. Thank you. And Sean McNerney, he's an area sales manager. He's uh, a lot of boots on the ground and has worked with a lot of superintendents to kind of get their feedback on forming this program. And Sean, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me today. You are welcome. I appreciate you guys taking a few minutes to talk with us about this. Uh, before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of, uh, of Flex Solutions and what it is, and just a note uh, for listeners, as we record this, we are about one week away uh, from the official launch of Flex Solutions, which is October 1. By the time you're listening to this, uh, the program will be available, so so definitely keep that in mind. But before we uh, before we jump into that, I want to kind of uh, give each of you a chance to, to tell us a little bit about your careers, how you got into uh, uh, this business uh, and how you kind of developed into your role with Bear and Mark, I will uh, start with you. Is this something that you uh, always wanted to do or how did you uh, first get into the uh, business of golf course management? Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting journey, I have to admit. Like, you know, it started for me, you know, I'd say about 15 years ago, um, but not maybe on the path you might have thought. I don't really have an agronomic background. I've been in product management or marketing pretty much my entire career. Um, but I was a junior golfer. So I played golf my entire life. I played collegiately. Um, so that was really my, my first, you know, uh, how I got exposed to the, to the game uh, for the most part. But that was, you know, some years ago now and, and played college golf for a while and then since graduated. But that, you know, led me into this um, this marketing and product development type avenue. Um, so I came at the you know, guy in the industry sort of that way and playing the sport. Um, but then when I worked at, at John Deere's, when I really got on the other side of it, um, to be honest with you, I spent uh, a number of years there as a product manager, <coughs> excuse me, and developed, developed some products that, that the folks may uh, know and have used that uh, listen to your podcast. Uh, you know, worked in the Gator utility vehicle uh, lineup for a while there as a product manager for John Deere and worked with Pro Gators and e-gators and the such that are used on lots of golf courses all over the world. Um, and then I really moved over then into um, another product line that we had at, uh, at John Deere that's, you know, I'm sure all superintendents use, maybe not this brand, but, you know, fairway mowers, greens mowers, uh, bunker rakes, et cetera. So a long line of equipment. So I spent a you know, fair amount of time around superintendents in those days with uh, developing products. I know that they use on a daily basis on their course. And then uh, about three years ago, I landed here at Bear, so I just decided it was, you know, an interesting to look on the, the input side of things versus, you know, course maintenance. Um, so it's been a, a learning curve for sure, um, you know, but they do all kind of hang together. So you need the inputs, you need the equipment. And, you know, when you really look at the whole job that superintendents are doing, it's um, I've been sort of on multiple angles of that now. I've been a player, I've been in marketing, I've developed products, and, and now here at Bear doing similar things. So it's been a very interesting journey, to say the least. Yeah, you've uh, with uh, John Deere and Bear, and uh, there in North Carolina, you've been able to cover uh, a lot of the bases for uh, products. I know that uh, uh, all of our listeners uh, uh, count on day in and day out. Uh, Sean, I know uh, you have a background as a superintendent and an assistant superintendent, so you've worked on that end. But uh, uh, maybe tell us how you got into the business and your path uh, to your current uh, position with Bear. Yeah, so I. I started out in high school working for a landscape company uh, that that dabbled in golf course management a little bit, and the owners were, were actually golf course architects. So, 
um, you know, we became very close friends and, and I started to understand the business a little bit more. So I got into the golf management side of things, um, realized I could make a career path out of it. So went, did a two year turf degree, um, and followed up by a business degree. Um, but then internship out in Colorado at the Broadmoor, um, down in Naples at Roll Point Sienna, served on the GCSA assistance committee for three years, I believe it was. And, uh, and kind of came back home to the central Florida region, uh, worked in Orlando, um, at a golf course for a while as an assistant and took a super intense job in the villages, uh, which is just kind of a golf factory, um, in the Northern Absolutely. part of central Florida. So, um, from there, you know, my goal was to have a, my own business at one point, And I looked at Bayer as a great opportunity to, to learn the business side of things a little bit more, um, and got here and, and, and really just enjoyed it ever since. So, um, uh, uh, don't know that I'll ever get around and, you know, have my own business because Bayer's been so good to me, but, uh, it's been really exciting, uh, getting to do different things with them. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, technologies of my interest so uh being able to, to participate in the development of this bear flex solutions platform has has been a lot of fun uh, over the past few months and years really well and that's great that you know it sounds like you found a home and and with this particular your product you, you've maybe found a, a bit of a, a passion that you could you could assist with and i know that you also uh, uh in your role uh spend a lot of time uh in the field uh can, you know working with customers uh assessing their needs, where, where Bear can step in and meet that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, when you're at the, the neighborhood barbecue and uh, somebody asks you kind of what you do for Bear, how, how do you describe your, 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 job, your job with Bear and, and what it is you do and how you interact with golf course superintendents? And Sean, I'll let you tackle that, and then Mark will let you uh, have, a, have a swipe at that question as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a doozy. Um, so, no, it, I... I you know, tell people that I'm in the, the turf industry and I work for Bayer. And most oftentimes I think I'm a pharmaceutical sales rep, uh, <laughs> you know, with the aspirin and some of the oncology stuff. But uh, now I explain to them that, you know, Bayer's the leading agriculture company in the in the world, really, uh, especially as of lately. And uh, my primary focus is working with turf managers and uh, lawn and landscape and, uh, and golf. So I basically... Uh, assist in, um, you know, a technical role at times, uh, but more product support um, and program management for uh, my specific territory, which is North Florida, South Georgia, Puerto Rico. So um, I work a lot, you know, with distributors, uh, but also, you know, kind of the conduit between our technical resources uh, and the customer when, when we need to call upon them as well. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, you know, my background is, you know, uh, what it is with being a superintendent, assistant, having kind of limited experience in landscaping. Um, I can understand, you know, some of their needs and concerns and, and challenges that they're facing. So um, it's, it's, it's been a, I think, been a really effective way to, to help, you know, position Bayer in, in my territory. So. Well, I can I can sympathize with the aspirin questions, and uh, uh, because I, when I, when bear when I bring bear up, because oftentimes when I'm asked questions here uh, in, in my home in Kansas City, um, 
about you know what I do, who I work with. Uh, that's one of the companies that comes up, and there's a, a pretty large animal health presence for bear uh, here in Kansas City. So they assume either I'm making, uh, I know people that make aspirin, or I know people that make uh, pet food. Um, and yeah. so I have to correct them and say, no, no, there's a really, really big ag and golf uh, uh, part of this. So uh, uh, I, it's so funny you, you hear those same questions. Um, and Mark, I'm sure you've heard some of that. But uh, what do you tell folks about what what it means to be a product marketing manager for Bear? Yeah, as you, as you might imagine, generally the, the conversation starts off while you work for Bear. I get a similar response that Sean receives, I believe. And they're like, oh, you work for the aspirin company. I'm like, they do, in fact, make aspirin. <laughs> not, not, not exactly the role I, I'm, you know, I'm involved in at the moment, but you know, I think, you know, I'll maybe pull it up a level from just being a product manager and go there in a second. But you know, when people ask me what I do for Bear, I oftentimes tell them not even specific to, to turf necessarily, but you know, I don't think people realize our how large encompassing our environmental site science team is. I mean, we touch, you know, I like to say, and what we say internally is where people live, work, and play. I mean, you know, we keep pests out of your home. We allow your lawn to look good, your landscape to look nice, your plants and things around your home to look great. Parks, golf courses, all these green spaces and outdoor spaces, and even even food. I mean, we you know we touch a lot of areas in, in our environmental science team, and that's I feel like something to be pretty proud of. Um, you know, and I think they don't often process that. You know, from bear and environmental science, they. Um, you know, even think of aspirin or they, they might go to ag, but I think once you relate the information to them, they're like, like oh, wow. You know, and all of a sudden, uh, sometimes the conversation gets really interesting. You go places that, well, I've got this problem or how do you make my grass look nicer? Or I really like to play golf. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, the light go on for them when they, they realize, you know, how you're involved. It, it, you know, it's, but specifically, you know, from being a product manager, the things I've always liked about um, being a product development or product management is making things that you end up seeing useful, you know, regardless of what industry you're in, regardless of what product you're making, it's nice when you, you know, have, you know, create products that can el eliminate fire ants for people's properties, or it's, you know, make the green spaces look nicer because they're eliminating weeds. You know, in my day-to-day -day job, we'll talk more about flick solutions in a bit, but um, I'm an insecticides product manager. So I spent a lot of time in that realm. Um, the flick solution was a, I'll just say a special project for me. Yeah. It was exciting nonetheless, but, um, but, you know, that's my day-to-day -day activity. And, you know, what I think how, how bear and how ES brings things to uh, end users as a whole. Um, but, but then when I go back to product management, I'd say that that's what excites me is we create things that really help um, our customers, our end users, um, in this case, superintendents help them do their job better. Well, I, pr I appreciate you both uh, uh, indulging me a little bit and kind of going down that that personal path. And I, I think it's always instructive and, and it's always interesting to find about how how those of us that now work in this business got here and not, you know, there's a lot of, of similar stories of people who played golf uh, growing up and decided this was a better path for them. And then there's uh, uh, folks who come at it from a completely different uh uh, a different angle and there's there's tons of opportunities in uh, not just as serving as a superintendent or assistant superintendent but in uh, uh, the roles each of you have have uh, found at bear and uh, uh, as someone who has a, a son currently in turf school uh, it's always encouraging to, to know that there's a lot of different avenues he can pursue and i've tried my best to 
to explain that to him. But let's transition over to why we're here, the uh, conversation about uh, the new Flex Solutions platform. Again, that launches October 1st. And by the time most everyone listens to this, it will be after that. So it will be live and available. And Mark, I will start with you and just let you do the uh, all-encompassing description and tell us what is Flex Solutions? Uh, who was it designed for and, and kind of how do they use it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, gladly. I, I'd say at, the, at its highest level, um, it, it's an online platform that, that makes, I think will make end user superintendents um, shopping experience way more pleasurable than it has been in the past for, um, you know, this heightened period of activity that, that we used to call fall solutions. Um, a little bit of a backstory, um, and, and many of your, your listeners, are, I think, will, uh, will recognize this, is that you know, we used to have packs like many people in the industry had. We had pre-built bundles of products we put together. And, you know, in some cases, those were customers like those. And in some cases, they didn't. I think largely, you know, they were like, I'd rather just have an experience where I can pick the products and the quantities that, that I need for my particular, you know, agronomic situation. And, and to me, that that's really at the core of, of what we've done for, I mean, it's much bigger than that, but at the core of it, um, that's really what Bear Flex Solutions is going to do. It's going to allow that you know, superintendent, you know, in collaboration, and we can talk more about that with their distributor sales rep, create that that package, if you will, that solution that that's specific for them. Um, they'll have that flexibility like they, they haven't had before. And I think that's what's really going to make it special. Um, the other thing I would say is that, you know, when things are online, they don't get tired, maybe like people do. So you can pick the time that you might want to engage with it. Um, so if you want to, you know, if it's six o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the evening, um, it gives you a lot of flexibility. You know, it's simple, it's personal, it's flexible. So I, I think that's a lot of the reasons um, superintendents are really going to like the experience. Uh, Sean, why don't, uh, tell us a little bit about the role that you played in the creation of this. Obviously, you've got the uh, the advantage of working regularly with customers and golf course superintendents. Uh, uh, but, but what role did you play and, and what were you hearing uh, from uh, superintendents on the ground as it related as it relates to uh, EOPs and and kind of what they were looking for and and how did you uh, kind of steer that information into the creation of Flex Solutions? Yeah, so I'm going to actually back up a couple of years uh, and Mark, whether he realizes it or not, but his first real Bayer meeting was our uh, one of our not you know each year we do kind of a a lessons learned or a, uh, a debrief on our, our, you know, prior year's EOP. So uh, it was probably three or four years ago, Mark, where yeah, we were all together about 50, yep, yep. <laughs> about 50 of us uh, in a room in, in Raleigh. And Mark's probably, you know, wondering what the, what the hell uh, EOP <laughs> is. And uh, here we are talking about all this drastic change that we want to make and, you know, three, four years later, he's the one in charge of it. So it's, it's been pretty cool actually, yeah, but, uh, I barely knew but, what EOP was at that day. John is right. And, you know, I was like, and after that meeting, after about two hours of it, I was more confused when I left than it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So each year we, we as bear and I'm sure other manufacturers do the same, but we, we get together uh, early on and, and talk about what worked and what didn't work and, and kind of one reoccurring theme is that yeah we've got these pre-built packs that offer a lot of value um, and they're uh, you know Bayer kind of strategically you know picks the products for these packs generally by the solutions we're trying to provide well you know the packs that we create for the north 
don't necessarily fit the south and vice versa. And the acreages are pretty limited uh, because, you know, when building these packs, we ship by case quantity. We can't break it down by individual units. So the conversation really started of how, how do we how do we still offer great value to a customer and all these solutions that we're providing to them? Uh, but not force them into buying quantities that don't make sense or, or packaging them with a product that doesn't necessarily meet their agronomic program. So, um, you know, years and years went by of us, you know, tossed around ideas and ultimately kind of landed on this digital platform uh, that, that Mark's really been key in developing um, that, you know, the, not just golf, but I mean, even lawn, you know, uh, it, it's specific for their individual club and business and, and their success uh, that now they're, they're buying the products that they want, the quantities they want and getting the, the best possible deal for them. So uh, hopefully making them better at what they do by managing uh, their, their chemical inventories and those types of things, but also, you know, make sure they're doing their job and, and, getting the best deal for the products that they need for the following year. So um, that's kind of been the evolution of this thing from my eyes. Um, Cause we, you know, our, our programs are changing every year, but, but generally our packs aren't changing a whole lot. So, um, you know, this gives us the, that flexibility to keep up with, you know, providing the best possible solution to the customer uh, and not, you know, trying to force them to buy a pack to, to piece it all together. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly the technology has made uh, programs like this uh, easier for the for the customer to, to take advantage of. And uh, uh, just like you see in a ton of different businesses, whether it's your, you know, people go, switching from cable to, to streaming packages because they have more choice over the over the uh, over what they're selecting. Certainly seems like that that's what that's what Flex Solutions uh, has done here. And it's it's great that, uh, that the technology has progressed that and you guys uh, have such a close connection with the uh, the end user and the customer uh, to kind of help actually use that technology in the best way possible for them. Mark, Mark, tell us a little bit about some of the key features. So when when the customer gets in there and starts to explore around, what are some of the key things they're going to find and uh, that they'll be able to take advantage of with Flex Solutions? I, I think probably first and foremost, they'll enjoy the, um, while it is a digital tool, we haven't removed, I would say, the relationship they have with their distributor reps. So if they've been working with someone over the years, like while we have an online platform, it is built to be in conjunction with our distribution partners with have, you know, uh, distributor sales reps that have a lot of a wealth of knowledge and have been working with these customers for years. So that that part, you know, is while not a direct feature of the the site itself or the platform, um, it's certainly something I think uh, superintendents will continue to enjoy. Uh, more specific to the site, uh, I would say one of my favorite features is, you know, we refer to them as blue tags. Um, so before, you know, in our old um, Fall solutions, you know, the, the recipe was, you know, you spend 40,000 bucks, you get to a certain level, you earn a certain discount. And while on the surface, you know, that that's pretty simple on the back end, you know, it, it, it maybe is more complicated in the tool, but for the end user, the real benefit will be for the superintendent is now you can start from a place of, you know, even import your purchase history from the prior year, if you'd like. Um, that's one way to start. Another is just by selecting products, and add them to the cart. Um, but once you do that, 
their icons that start to appear in, in the product cart as we refer to it that will signal to you what to do. It'll say if you buy a couple more of these products, it tells you how many you can save. Or if you move into a different pricing tier, um, it shows you what those savings are. Um, and it does that for anything you add in the cart. So you're not left wondering anymore, like what's the best deal I'm going to get from Bear during this early order program. You don't have to, to worry about that anymore, whether you're a distributor app or a superintendent. It's the tool will do that work for you. So pick the products you want very simply, um, do what the icons tell you. And then in the end, you'll see, you know, what you've spent, what your rebate's going to be, what your total savings are. So it couldn't be more simple in that regard. And, I, and I'm hoping that people find, wow, that was a much better experience than I used to have with trying to sort through the different packs and what the savings were for packs and how it all added up. All that's gone away. We, we built a tool and application now that, that, that will do all that for them. They just need now to focus on, you know, what they want for the upcoming season. So I think those that the, the, the intelligence that the platform is going to have is really going to, the, the superintendents are really going to benefit from that. Are there any, Mark, any special uh, login credentials that customers need to use or anything of that sort? Or how, how, does, uh, uh, how does a superintendent uh, get on the site and, and start the process? Yeah, we do require that uh, uh, superintendents be a My Bear Rewards uh, member, which they, many of them have been over the years. And we did carry that requirement forward. Um, and we imported all that data. So they, they'll get a registration email. So if you're a current My Bear Rewards member, you really don't have to do anything. Once we start on October 1st, um, everyone that we've imported in from My Bear Rewards will get a registration email. And it's very simple. You just follow the instructions. It's how you um, create separate, there will be separate credentials for the Flex Solutions platform. So you have two sets, one for My Bear Rewards and one for Flex Solutions. Okay. And if you aren't, uh, if customers aren't My Bear Rewards members, they would want to start that um, or create an account before they then create their Flex Solutions credentials. And it'll, they work seamlessly together. They talk to one another so they uh, know when accounts have been registered, et cetera. So it's uh, pretty seamless on that front. But I'd say first step um, for everyone is either update your MyBearWords information or create an account and then jump over to the Flex Solutions site and then create your credentials there and you'll be all set. And again, all that starts October 1st, 8 a.m. Eastern time. We'll be ready to go. As we record this one week from today. So, uh, Sean, did you have a chance? Uh, uh, I, I don't know how much of a chance you had to sneak preview uh, either bits and pieces of Flex Solutions with, with superintendents or, or even maybe the, uh, the whole thing. But uh, uh, if you've had conversations, what are you hearing at least uh, on the surface from superintendents in the field and their reaction to this? And uh, what do you see as maybe some of the biggest benefits they're going to get out of this program? Yes, up to this point we really we haven't focused so much on on rolling this out to the customers um just because they can't access it till october 1st uh however we've we've been you know working diligently with our uh distribution partners on on you know understanding how to use the tool we've been encouraging them to to get in front of their customers with it um i have i've talked to you know uh, maybe a handful um so far the feedback's been positive um they they like the fact that you know they're not forced into buying quantities that they don't you know necessarily need any longer um they you know they some of them like the ability to uh create separate product carts for you know each individual course that they might be managing 
and then know that Bayer's going to aggregate all those product cards for the maximum rebate in the background. Uh, that's one feature that, that we didn't mention, but, um, so it's, it's overall, uh, the feedback has, has been pretty good. Um, again, we'll, we'll know more next week or once, once people are listening to this podcast. So, uh, but we're, we're very optimistic. I mean, we've, we really tried to try to take all the feedback we've collected over the years and, and deliver on that feedback. So, um, we're pretty optimistic about it at this point. Well, from from what I've heard, you have you have good reason to be in. You know, I I, I have uh, in my team at, at the at golf course management have regular interactions with, with superintendents, and clearly when we're speaking with them, we have there's other things we're talking about, and and when we do just generally chat about the state of the golf course and uh, things like EOPs, they they don't get in probably to the depth that they would uh, with you. But you know, from what I've heard and and what you guys have. Uh, um, Told us about today. Uh, it really does sound like a tool that superintendents are, are going to like. They're going to find great value in, and uh, uh, you know anything that can can help help them plan better, uh, whether that's agronomically or financially. Uh, I think they'll be all in on, and that sounds certainly like uh, like something uh, that Flex Solutions is going to deliver. So uh, we'll wrap up here, guys. Um, I appreciate your time today. One one last question, and um, it really just has to do kind of with what we've been talking about all along and how this technology and how the digital revolutions allowed uh, uh, companies like Bear to do things differently. This is a big step uh, forward for Bear. So I'll ask each of you just to kind of chime in briefly, and I'll start with you, Mark. Uh, is, is this kind of digital shift, is this something that uh, uh, customers, distributors, anyone in Bear's channel can expect to see uh, moving forward just more and more usage of, of technology like this to kind of improve the experience that they're having when they're dealing with Bear? I would say absolutely. I think Flex Solutions, while will make a, an impact, I think it's just going to be the tip of the spear that you see from, from Bear. There's a lot of a lot of opportunity, I think, in the turf markets and in general for superintendents specifically to have more and more digital tools that can, that can frankly just help them do their jobs better. You know, they'll have to, they can be the, how do you say it, the painter and not have to worry about collecting all the sure. data. They can direct, um, but there's a lot of opportunity to, to, to help them in that regard agronomically. And I think, again, you'll see quite a bit more over the coming years from, from us on that front. Sean, as a former uh, superintendent, I'm sure uh, when you were uh, doing that job, something like this uh, Flex Solutions tool would have been invaluable to you. But uh, uh, kind of the same question for you. Do you... Uh, I'm sure you see this uh, just as the start of something big from a digital perspective from the company. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited about what the next few years look like uh, from a digital side of things for Bayer. Um, but you know, the, this kind of shift has already started a little bit. I mean, you look at GPS sprayers and the way we're managing our irrigation systems now. The um, it, it's it's just kind of it's it's happening. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of, you know, one of the first manufacturers from a chemical side of things to, um, to roll something out. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just going to continue to evolve and it's, it's going to benefit everybody. I mean, uh, there's no, uh, I don't think the labor issues that we're dealing with are going to get any better. So, uh, if we can just find efficiencies, you know, anywhere we can, it's, it's going to help everybody, I think in the long run. So. Well, uh, Five, six years ago, I'm not sure uh, many of our listeners would uh, uh, have known what a podcast was or have been listening to them. And now here they are listening to that. 
listening to podcasts about the new Flex Solutions. So just uh, uh, everywhere we turn, technology is, is hopefully uh, assisting superintendents uh, do their jobs faster, better, uh, more efficiently. So uh, Flex Solutions certainly sounds like another step in that direction. Guys, I appreciate your time uh, uh, today. One week from today, it launches. Of course, as you're listening to this, it'll already be out there. Uh, so so please uh, check that out, Flex Solutions. Mark Clodfelter, Product Marketing Manager. I appreciate your time today. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. And Sean, uh, Area Sales Manager uh, down in North Florida, Georgia, uh, that part of the world. Sean, I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for having us. All righty. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks. Take care. Have a good day. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the GCSAA podcast in the books, episode number 14. My thanks go out to Curtis Tyrell, CGCSMG, and Mark Clodfelter and Sean McNerney from Bear for taking the time to join us on this episode. Uh, before you go, I want to encourage you to uh, dig into our archives a little bit and check out any of the past episodes of the podcast that you might have missed. You can find those wherever it is that you get your podcast. And while you're there, I would also humble ask you to go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on all those same services. It's a big help to us uh, when you do that. It's a big help to others who are out there trying to find podcasts like this one. So um, uh, if you have an opportunity, uh, whether you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcast, please uh, take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review. I will thank you in advance for doing that. We will be back very soon with another episode of the GCSA podcast. But until then, on behalf of our producer, Evan Bissell, the folks at Bear Environmental Science who partner with GCSAA in the production of this podcast, and all of us here at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, I'm Scott Hollister. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you again really soon on another episode of the GCSA podcast. Take care, everybody.